Amen, amen. Man, we're having church this morning. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you here this morning. Welcome home. Good morning and welcome home to anyone that's watching online today. And I just feel and sense this morning that God wants to do something special today in our hearts. And we've been praying and praying that God will set someone free today. We serve a God that can set people free. We've been in a series called Hurts, Habits, and Hangups. Let's say that together. Hurts, Habits, and Hangups. And if you haven't been with us during this series, it comes from a book called Life's Healing Choices by John Baker. And many of you know, but maybe not all of you know, that we're going to be launching a recovery ministry in the spring. And Pastor Adam pointed me to this book, and I began to look at it. And not only is it helpful for those that are in recovery, it's helpful for anyone who has a hurt, a habit, or hang-up, which happens to be everyone, right? We all have a hurt, we all have a habit, we all have a hang-up. In fact, we're talking about hurts that embitter us, habits that enslave us, and hang-ups that what? Entangle us. And our question has been, it kind of creates a tension every, every week, is what's yours? What's your habit? What's your hurt? What's your hang-up that without the grace of God, it's something that you struggle with? Um, I was thinking today, you know, we kind of talk about the main characters when we talk about these things, drugs, alcohol, pornography, marriage problems, anxiety, all of those types of things. But maybe someone's habit today, kind of adding to our list of things that could possibly be, maybe a habit that you have is telling yourself a bad story about yourself or, or someone else for that matter. And God wants to maybe help you with that today. I don't know why I was sitting here, I was standing here as we were worshiping. Maybe there's someone in here today that, that you keep telling yourself something about yourself. And you do it all the time, you've been doing it your whole life. And maybe God wants to give you freedom from that today. We've been tackling a different choice each week. Um, there's eight choices in this book and they all kind of line up with be, uh, the Beatitudes. And so we're just real quick, I'm not going to spend much time on it. If you'd like to dive into each one of these choices, you can go back and look at the last couple that we've had. But the first week we talked about it starts with admitting need, realizing that we can't fix ourselves on our own. We try really hard to do that, but the reality is we can't do it. It says, realize I'm not God, admitting that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing, let's finish it together, and that my life is unmanageable without God. A lot of us would get that right on paper, but sometimes it's hard to admit that we aren't our own fixer. Jesus died so that he could fix what's going on. So the road to healing, the road to recovery, the road to getting over those things that entangle us and embitter us, embitter us and enslave us is beginning with admitting a need, which is um, the reality choice. And then we move to once we've admitted that need, once we've said, hey, God, it's not me, it's you, we move to getting help, right? We admitted the need, now we're getting help, which is the hope choice. And it says, earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, those are important things, and that he has the power to help me recover. It's only through God that we can find the power and the strength to overcome whatever we're, we're dealing with. And then last week, Adam did a phenomenal job um, dealing with choice number three, where we talked about not the movie Frozen, the song Let It Go, but actually from the book. And we, th you know, Disney didn't come up with Let It Go. Did you know that? Uh, the Bible did. Jesus did. Amen? I know that's kind of funny, but at the same time, it's really the truth. It's not Elsa. 
on the side of a mountain with a wintry scene and your kids sitting in their pajamas in the living room, you starting to act like you don't like the song, but you really do, okay? That's not really, I know some of you are singing it in your head right now. Raise your hand if you are, okay? Anybody? Few honest people in here, okay? Elsa and Disney and, and Frozen didn't come up with Let It Go. Jesus did. And the reason that we can let it go is because of him. And here's what Adam talked about last night or last week. Consciously choosing, that word consciously is important, intentional. Choose to commit all my life, let's read it, and will to Christ's care and control. And I have to stop real quick. And Adam had a quote last week that went along with the scripture. And here's what it said. This is powerful. Listen to this. There's nothing this world offers that is worth holding on to at the expense of complete surrender to Christ. How good is that? Amen. And that's, that's, that, we're, this is a building thing. Um, there's nothing in this world offers that is worth holding on to at the expense of complete surrender to Christ. That's something we need to, we need to revisit um, often. And so today we're talking about coming clean. Say that with me. Coming clean, which is not easy to do, which is kind of the house cleaning choice. In fact, if we want to think about this, if you're having guests over to your house, most likely, unless they're really good friends, they're probably not moving past maybe the living room and the kitchen area, you know, that kind of an area. They're not moving back to the bedrooms and to rooms that you just shut the door because you know you didn't have a chance to clean it up. So as we're getting into this series, it's getting deeper and deeper into the home, if you will, to use that analogy. And now we're starting to talk about the things that surface level, you know, are fine, but maybe down deep we haven't dealt with. Okay? And here's the house cleaning choice. Let's read it together. Openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God. Okay, that's getting heavier, right? And someone I trust. Because now we gotta, we're not just admitting a need. We're not just receiving Christ. We're not just committing to follow Jesus. Now, because of those things, God starts to work with us. And he starts to point things out. And it requires, because our scripture says that our bodies are a temple. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. If you have Jesus in your heart, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And it begins to allow us to really examine and confess our faults to ourselves, right? We can't confess what we won't acknowledge, right? Openly examine and confess my faults to three, to myself, to God, and who else? To someone I trust, which creates a tension for us. And we're going to talk about that here in a little while. But it, it lines up with this beatitude that's talking about being pure in heart. Because when we confess and we acknowledge and we do all of those things, um, God makes us pure in heart. Listen to what the scripture says. God blesses those whose hearts are what? Pure. Let's read it. For they will see, they will see God. See, God's design, God's purpose for you is for you to live life with a pure heart. None of us are perfect. We make mistakes. We do the wrong things at time. And the Holy Spirit, when we do those things, gently whispers in our, shirt, in our, on our, you know, in our ear, hey, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have said that. You need to make that right. And the more that we listen to that, the more in tune we are with the Spirit. And at the same time, he gives us a, a pure heart. And, and Jesus says, man, that's my desire for you, is that you would have a pure heart and that you would see God. In the book that, that we are referring to, he, we're going to look at several quotes today because they're powerful. 
here's what, here's what he says. If we are to ever know the joy of a pure heart, we'll have to learn how to let go of our guilt and shame and how to gain a clear conscience. And those are, that's a pretty powerful statement, especially when we talk about guilt and shame. Those are things that we've all dealt with at times. In fact, maybe some of us today are dealing with the guilt and with the shame. But the good news is Jesus died so that we didn't have to live in guilt, that we didn't have to live in shame. Listen to what David writes in Psalm 32. It's kind of a connected to Psalm 51 where um, David is talking about just confessing over having an affair with Bathsheba and having Bathsheba's son kill, or husband killed. Here's what he says. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is, is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has what? Of love that. What joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in what? Complete honesty. That is, that is powerful today. When I refused to confess my sin, my body, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. If you're in a relationship with Jesus, all of us who have a relationship with Jesus know that heavy feeling that happens when we've done the wrong thing, we've said the wrong thing, we've misspoke to someone, and we don't do what we're supposed to do, and we walk away from that, and we just feel heavy, right? We feel like, ah, and, we, and sometimes we begin to think, where is God? How has he turned his, has he turned his back on me? That's not God turning his back on you. That's God's love at work on you and in you. That's good. I didn't think about that. That's good. And simply what that means is, is that God is using something called conviction. There's condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is things other people try to project on you that's not from God. Right? Romans 8, I believe, says there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. But conviction are things that the Holy Spirit is trying to get you to change. Right? Sometimes we feel condemnation and we think we're being convicted. And then other times we are being convicted. If you sin against God, that's not condemnation. That's conviction, meaning you need to make that right. But then there's other things. Let's say 10 years ago, you wronged someone, you confessed to them, and you apologized. And more importantly, you confessed to God and you repented of it. And some bystander wants to remind you of that all the time. That's not conviction. That's condemnation. And David says, my, he says I, he's talking here about conviction. When I refuse to confess my sin, not condemnation, that's conviction. My body, what did his body do? It wasted away and I groaned all day long, day and night. Your hand of discipline was what? Heavy on me. That's not condemnation. That's conviction. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Then he says, finally, I confessed how many sins? He confessed it all, right? I think maybe we're singing this later, but I know we've sang it before. I surrender all. It's this posture of saying, hey, God, you have it all. I confessed all my sins to you and stop trying to hide what? I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. 
We serve a God that forgives. All my guilt is gone, he says. So here's the story today, the true story. Jesus died so that we could enjoy the benefits of a pure heart. Say that with me. Jesus died so that we could enjoy the benefits. We do not have to walk around in guilt and in shame with our head hung low, telling ourselves the same story of something they did or something that we did. That is not the abundant living that we see in John 10.10. Right? If you don't remember John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Other versions say, have it to the fullest. Jesus died so that we could live an abundant life, guilt-free. But the truth is this morning, a great number of people don't live with a pure heart because instead they live with a guilt-filled heart. And we settle for shadows of the relationship that we could have with Jesus rather than the real thing. These songs that we sing about, Jesus from the mountaintop, Jesus in the street. We talk about different songs that talk about being redeemed and forgiven and all these different songs that we sing about. They're not just songs that we sing and raise our hands in the air and we like the beat of the drum or whatever. They're songs that theologically are, are accurate. We don't have to live in guilt and shame. And I just want to speak to one person today. Some of you don't live in guilt and shame because you've been set free and you already know this. And you're just kind of waiting for something else for me to say that might help you today. But for, for those of you who are there, hang on just a minute. I want to talk to somebody in the room who needs to hear this. You don't have to live in guilt and shame. You can be set free from what they've done to you or what you've done to them or in some cases both. Because of Christ. I got to thinking about, and the book talks about what guilt does to us. Have you ever thought about that? You, you see those videos. Um, I've, a couple times I've went over to Makers, and we've all been in places before where you see this, these, this picture progression of someone who's on meth, you know, year one. And anyway, ten years later, it's the same person, but they look so much different because of what the drug has done to them. In a, in a, in a kind of the same way, guilt can do the same thing. Living a hard life, a sin-filled life, can do the same thing. And one of the things that can play on someone and that's not meth, but just almost in a similar way, not completely the same way, but is guilt. So he writes in this book three things that guilt does. He says it starts with guilt destroys our confidence. Say that with me. Guilt destroys our confidence. Think about it. If you did something to your child or you weren't there for your child the way you were supposed to, now you're with your child, you know, you're somewhere and, and everybody's thinking about something that happened 30 years ago. And so your confidence is gone. You can't walk in with confidence. You can't hold your grandchild with confidence. You can't be with them in confidence because you know and they know and everybody knows what happened and you feel guilty about it. Sometimes, in some cases, you've already confessed it, repented of it, but you're not getting conviction from them. You're getting condemnation from them. Guilt destroys our confidence. Listen to this. Guilt makes us feel insecure because we're always worried that somebody will find out the truth about us. And if they do, will they still like us? 
I love this little, little thing he tossed in there. He said, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, writer of Sherlock Holmes novels, was quite a prankster. One day he played a prank on five of the most prominent men in England. He sent an anonymous note to each man which simply said, all is found out. Should have said S instead of F. All is found out. Flee at once. Within 24 hours, all five men had left the country. <laughs> Guilt destroys our confidence. Guilt also destroys our relationships. In fact, he says, guilt sabotages our relationships by causing us to respond how? In harmful ways. We sometimes, no, I know what no one in this room does, okay? But I've heard of people sometimes overreact, this is good, out of impatience or anger, or we explode without reason because of some, yeah, no one, none of us do that, do we? Guilt can cause us to indulge people unwisely. Parents often feel guilty. Oh, this is good too. Parents often feel guilty over poor choices they have made, and they overcompensate by guilt by indulging their children. That's a big one. I'm glad we didn't hand out tomatoes at them when we came in here. That's a, that's a big one. Guilt can cause us to avoid commitment. We wonder why we won't let people get close to us. We allow ourselves to get too close, but no closer. One of the main reasons is what? Is guilt. Guilt damages relationships. Guilt, guilt also keeps us stuck in the past, hitting the replay button over and over and over. He writes, if you want to change your life, if you want to get well, if you want to grow and let go of your past guilt once and for all, you will have to come clean and make this fourth choice, which we talked about earlier. Openly examine and confess my faults to myself and to God and someone I trust. It's interesting that he starts with confessing to yourself because it's really hard to confess to God and to confess with others if we're not going to be honest with ourselves, Right? We can't confess what we won't acknowledge. Last, we've been asking each week of this series, what is the habit? What is the hang-up? What is the hurt for you? Is God in some way asking you to be honest with yourself about it? Be honest with God about it or confess it to someone else? So then he talks about, he doesn't just talk about the low points, but then, then we he starts talking about moving past guilt. In fact, maybe there's some of you in here that you've been feeling guilty a really, really long time. We've all seen a movie before where somebody's in jail for a really long time and they'll, they'll pan the camera to the guy or the gal walking out of prison after they've been in there for all these years and stepping foot, you know, past the gates where they've been held. What would happen today if someone would walk out of their guilt prison this morning. Did you know that's possible because of Jesus? So he writes a few things about moving past guilt. He says, take a personal moral inventory. Say that with me. Take a personal moral inventory. And, and the best way to do that in my head is Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search my heart, O God, 
Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Man, that's a powerful thing that we should pray daily. Lord, search my heart. God, is there anything? When you're thinking about a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up that you're dealing with, what would happen if you say, God, am I hanging on to this anxiety? Am I hanging on to this fear? Am I hanging on to telling myself a bad story because I need to punish myself for something that you died that I didn't have to punish myself for? Am I doing that? God, search my heart. God, do you see fear? Do you see anger? Do you see bitterness? Do you see negative stories that I tell myself and other people? Do you see lust? God, do you see addiction? God, search my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. God, lead me in the way everlasting. Take a personal inventory. And then he, here's the big one. We've said it before. Wear it like a shirt, right? Accept responsibility for your faults. Say that with me. Accept responsibility. Man, that's a hard thing sometimes. It's not just kids that have a hard time with this at times. It's adults also. Solomon says, the Lord's light penetrates the human spirit. Let's read it. Exposing every hidden motive. So another thing that we can do, which scripture tells us this, and the book writes about it. It's pretty simple, but some of us tend not to do it. Just ask God for forgiveness. If you have not asked God for forgiveness when it comes to guilt and shame and something you've done, it starts with confessing it, acknowledging it to yourself, and confessing it to God, and God will help you take it from there. I've shared many, many times, so I'm not trying to tell you a story, but I struggled with lying before I was saved. I came to Christ. I was honest with myself. I said, hey, this is an issue that I struggle with. I repented of it, and I gave it to Christ. And, and you know what he did? He did a little surgery on me. He says, I forgive you for, what you, for that, but you need to do some things. You need to write this person and, and apologize. You need, to, you need to send some money to the, some of you know the story, to the Y here in town that I went to for a year and not paid a membership to. You need to, you need to send a, a letter to your algebra teacher in high school because you cheated. I'm like, come on. He's like, So when I say God will take it from there, once we confess it to God and we ask forgiveness and we're in line with him, he will start to talk to us about those things that we need to work on. Condemnation comes into play when other people are talking to us about things that God's not talking to us about. Does that make sense? Conviction is God speaking to us about something. So we ask for forgiveness. Listen to this. If we claim to have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Remember, there is no sin so severe that God cannot forgive. That's the truth this morning. You need to know that. There's two thieves on the cross next to Jesus, in between wherever they were at, however it was put together. They're guilty. The woman who's caught in the act of adultery 
is guilty. Matthew, the tax collector, is guilty. Zacchaeus, who's up in a tree, the wee little man, is guilty. Jonah was guilty of disobedience for not going and doing what God asked him to do. Saul was guilty. And yet Christ offers forgiveness. Peter denied knowing Christ and received restoration. Let's read this together. There is no sin so severe that God cannot. Now let's read it like we actually believe it. Those online too, you ready? There's no sin so severe that God. That's the truth. Listen to this scripture. I love this. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as, as wool. God wants to deliver us. He wants to make us white as snow. I think the reference on this scripture is wrong. I forgot to put the correct reference on that. So if you Google that, when I copy and pasted the slides, it's the same as the last one. But come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool. Healing comes from confession. Amen? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, there's, it starts with one word. If you look up 1 John 1, 9, it starts with if. If we confess our sins. So while salvation costs Jesus his life and he freely gives it to us, we have to freely choose it. It's not something that he just gives us. We have to freely choose it if we confess, if we acknowledge. So will we confess? Will we acknowledge? So here's, here's where it gets a little harder. He talks about admitting your faults to another person. Now let me just say it right off the bat and We've said this many times. We have to be careful who we confess our faults to. Not everyone, as you know, I'm, I'm dealing with adults here, so I realize we all know this, but I'll just say it anyway. Not everyone is someone we should confess things to. When I was struggling in sin back there, my dad was outside fixing fence when I drove up down the road from college and God I was under conviction about some stuff the lying some other things going on in my life I was crying so hard I'm dad's out there fixing fence he loves the Lord he loves me he wants my best and I just confessed all this stuff to him I would not have confessed that to someone I didn't deeply trust but I do believe there's testimony I do believe that there's accountability and through the prayerful talking with God, that God would lead you to someone who you could talk to about what you're struggling with. Listen to this passage of Scripture. We're not just making this up today. This is what the Bible says. Let's read it. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you, you may be healed. 
Another thing he writes about moving past guilt, accept God's forgiveness and forgive yourself. That's a big one, isn't it? Accept God's forgiveness. That's a receiving of it, right? That's a willingness to say, I acknowledge and accept. Sometimes I remember growing up as a kid, I used to think, and this, okay, don't judge me. But when I was little, I used to think that when you got saved or God was working in your life, have you ever touched an electric fence before, for those of you who lived on a farm? Okay. It's like I thought that when I was going to ask forgiveness or receive Christ, that I was just going to have a jolt go through me or something as a kid, not understanding how it works. It's not like that. It's faith. It's believing that Jesus died for you. It's reading his words and knowing that if we confess our sins, he's faithful just. And simply talking to the Lord and saying, God, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against this person. And it's created guilt and shame. And I don't want that in my life anymore. And I think that I'm not worthy to be forgiven for it. But God, your word tells me that I am. And I believe that you are who you say you are. So I don't feel anything. Because faith is not a feeling. Marriages end because people follow feelings instead of choices. It's a choice. Did you notice this series is not eight feelings? It's eight choices. It's a choice to say, Father, I receive your forgiveness. I accept it. Now, I'll just be honest with you. You're probably a lot like me. It's a lot easier to forgive someone else than it is to forgive yourself. And you want to know one of the hardest things to forgive is things with our kids. Some of us are 70, 80 years old, and you didn't do something right with your kid when you were younger, and your kids let you know about it, and you let yourself know about it, and the enemy lets you know about it. And Jesus said, you don't have to live like that. You can confess that and ask forgiveness to whoever it is that you need to ask forgiveness, and you can be set free. And if you've repented of that, and I want to say that, if you've not repented of it, then you can't forgive yourself because you're guilty. But if you've repented of it, you've confessed it to God, you've gone to the person who you feel like you're supposed to go to and make that right. If you've done that, you can forgive yourself. He writes, this is good, scripture tells us this, there's three things God forgives instantly. Remember? God forgives freely. Let's read the last one. And he forgives completely. He forgives instantly. Some of us need to take a photo of this and remind ourselves of this. Or maybe you know someone who's dealing with it. God forgives instantly. He gives freely, forgives freely. And he forgives completely. So openly examine... And confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. So as the band comes up, here's the question today. Is God calling you to come clean? I, I know the band's coming up here, so our eyes maybe can go somewhere else and we're focused on that. But what's the area in your life that God is asking you to come clean in? Right, we talk about the heavy hitters every week, pornography, 
marriage issues, relationship stuff, drugs, alcohol, all those kinds of things, premarital, sex, adultery, all those heavy hitters, right? Those are the ones that we attack and say, is God calling you to come clean from? And maybe this morning or somebody online, that's the heavy hitters right where you're at. You're struggling with one of those things and you know it and the Holy Spirit's convicting you and you need to come clean of that. Okay, maybe that's you. But I also want to talk to some people in the room that those are never the things you're dealing with. But as I started the service with, maybe you're telling yourself a story that is harmful to your renewed thinking. Maybe your anxiety is, is just overwhelming you. Maybe you're, you're living with depression. Maybe there's some people in your life and you can't, they're, they're around you and they just keep reminding you of something that you did or they did, whatever. And, and I can't name every scenario that might be represented online or here today, but it's like right there in front of you, whatever that is. And God is calling you to, God is calling you to give it to him. You've acknowledged your need. You've received hope, like we talked about a couple weeks ago. You're trying to let the things go that need to go. But maybe, as we're talking this week, further in the house, there's this thing that's hurting you or hurting others. What would happen today if you would come clean and simply say, Jesus, you've got that too. Let's stand again.